our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. This is episode 24. And I'm Ben Smith. I'm the associate producer at Last Stand Media. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very interesting episode. We got a lot to go over here in the early goings. I want to dive straight into it and just address, of course, what has uh, occurred in the last week or so, which is Carrick has exited as uh, one of our permanent co-hosts. For the show, uh, so currently we are going to be looking for a new co-host, and we'll have a replacement very soon. The reason why Carrick has exited the show is he's he's too busy to podcast. He's posted this on his community tab on YouTube. He's posted this on a Twitter account, so you can see it for yourself. Uh, but he said he's too busy to podcast, and that he's going to be setting up a new studio space so he can focus more on YouTube and reviews. Um, so he's currently pulling out of all shows. That includes myself uh, with Ham Radio, of course, Defining Duke, as you all know. And it also involves his own personal show, The International Podcast. Um, but he said he's going to return to Friday shows. And he said he'll be back on Ham Radio. He will be back on The International Podcast. He may do that as audio. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, for those who are, you know, really like the dynamic here on Duke, we will be doing that over on Ham Radio. It is just a thing of, of timing. Um, but no more Carrick on Defining Duke. I want to emphasize once more that you're going to see him on Ham and that more than anything, I want to stomp out speculation that we are friends, everything is okay on that front, and that's probably the most important thing I want to nail here, because above all else, I would I, I don't mind if people talk and say, like, oh, he's better than Maddie or whatever, but I just want to make it clear, we're going to continue to work together, we're going to do what we used to do uh, once he gets everything set up, but wish Carrick the best, we've already got a lot of nice write-ins from uh, the audience through the Discord, uh, through Twitter, uh, through the Patreon, just wishing Carrick well. Uh, he did a phenomenal job here. So please send him uh, your best wishes. And Ben, thank you so much for stepping in as we make this transition. Sure, I'm happy to. And thanks for asking me. Of course. So for those of you who are new here uh, and you don't know what's going on, like I said, we're going to transition into a new host soon and we're going to figure that out. Um, but in the meantime, if you do want to support our show, and I should, by the way, thank the audience. Thank you for your patience. As I know, we've We've molded some segments based off your feedback, right? We dropped like the the PC parts deals of the week. We are adjusting our co-host. I know we're a young show, so we're a little bit more moldable. But I I it's not it's not unknown to me how I know it can be frustrating to see all these parts moving early on. So I just want to 
really thank you all for lending us your time and your patience as we do figure things out. Obviously, it's not ideal, but you know, I just I can't send more of a, a heartfelt thank you for the 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 generosity and, and kindness that you give us week in week out as we do figure things out. And if you do want to support us, of course, we're available on Patreon, but we're more than happy to have you here, whether it is through there or over on YouTube or on the free feeds. Uh, you continue to be vocal and supportive of our show. So thank you. Um, we just did a Duke Ultimate episode, which is the mailbag, just a post E3 mailbag going through all of the extra questions that we may have missed. Uh, our mobile ratings are doing fantastic. And we're just looking forward to uh, reestablishing now and, and, and figuring things out once again. I'm certainly, I'm not foreign to this just because of, with ham radio, I, this is a 300 episode show and I went from personally having two of my close friends, Noah and Lone, Lone now working at Bethesda, uh, and now the show is completely different with Dustin and Carrick as co-hosts alongside me. So I'm not, not used to this, but I understand how it feels for the audience. So once again, uh, my apologies for the, the transition, but do wish Carrick the best and um, of course his health, happiness, and Support is what's most important to us. So with that, let's get into our main show here. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting news, and we have a Game Pass drop to go over as well. Ben, I know you're the Sea of Thieves guy here, <laughs> but I, I got to ask, man, have you have you touched Dark Alliance at all? The newest day one Game Pass drop for Xbox. No, so this just came out as we're recording yesterday, right? Yes. Yeah, so I have it downloaded because uh, I am a... I love the concept of Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to super get into it, but just never have. And so I thought maybe this would be a good way to go. I haven't played it yet. I'm ready to play it. Um, but oh, it looks you it, are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to play it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not. I mean, I, that, that's that's actually part of the reason I didn't dive in yesterday. Uh, it's because right. of some of the feedback, but yeah. Right. See, it's been a tough role for people like myself or these Dark Alliance fans. We got the port out of nowhere just a month or two ago. And I remember seeing that and going, no way. And it was a really half-baked port. It was overpriced. And I thought they could have done way more with it. I understand it was more niche, if you will. For those who don't know, they ported Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, the first one from like the PS2 and GameCube, over to modern consoles. They kind of dropped the ball on that. And so this was sort of the last hanging shred of, get it right. The redemption possibility. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so Jake Williams wrote and said, hey, boys, Dark Alliance hit Game Pass this week to some less than favorable reviews. I personally have had a great time with the game, even with the bugs. Does adding a bugging game like Dark Alliance to Game Pass maybe hurt the service in any way? I know it's weird to complain about a free game, but it kind of sucks that it was released in the condition it was. Thanks for the awful podcast. Our pleasure, Jake. <laughs> uh, see, here's the thing, right, is I had this whole conversation on my uh, Twitter account. I plan on making a video about it, just talking about Game Pass and its quality control. I want to ask you just from the outside looking in even dark alliance aside we've seen from the third party point of view outriders mlb the show and now dark alliance are the first three big games to to drop day one and sort of say like you don't have to pay you can just play here through this subscription service two of them being outriders which is a game i defend and think is mm -hmm. great but it was still kind of broken and dark alliance certainly is very broken have launched here day one on Game Pass. Do you think there's a quality control issue to some extent? I think that's probably a quality control issue. Uh, I think, though, that there's a very much a reality in which when they're making these deals and they're signing on these games, to some extent that, you know, the, the folks over at Xbox can't really know how the game's going to fully be until mm -hmm. it releases. I mean, you have the day one patches. They don't, 
even even the behind the scenes aren't going to fully see those implemented until the day of. So I would imagine there's making these deals based on, you know, the potential the games have, uh, the possibility of sales, and maybe some of it too, obviously, is going to be the developer is a little unsure. They want a, a sure thing. So I think there is that possibility of, of a lack of quality control. And I think that could hurt the the look of the service ultimately, eventually. But it's also like, for me, I mean, I, I'm interested in Dark Alliance, but I probably wouldn't have bought it. And for mm. me to be able to check it out, maybe I fall in love with it and get to play it and it becomes a better game or it stays the same game it is and I decide not to play it anymore. But I think that gives that opportunity for people to be able to play those games with such a, such a small risk. Now, if every game they pump out is going to be garbage or at least broken, then yeah, maybe over time I'm going to say, maybe I don't need that Game Pass subscription. But I think as is, I mean... Right now, I'm not worried about it. Another mm -hmm. three or four flops or less than desirable, then maybe I'll be worried about it. But right now, I I don't know. I'm just happy for the opportunity to play a game I probably wouldn't have played otherwise. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's hard to criticize because it's such a dominant, well-received, and really consumer-friendly service that any critique sh can easily be wiped away. Right. What I noticed when I was interacting with some members of our audience and my audience and just in general people online w was this sort of like, it's not a big deal because look at everything else. And the way I always viewed it is these are still monetary investments by Xbox where they won't know entirely the final product, but they have to check it out enough to know we're going to spend X amount of dollars here. I've talked to multiple developers. We have a public interview people can listen to and Mike Rose of No More Robots of Game Pass involving money deals and seeing like, hey, this has a chance to to be something good. Let's pay for it. Yeah. Um, there's something that's there. Uh, and and to be able to check the quality of it. Not that what people misinterpreted, I think, with my exchange was some people were thinking, well, not every game can be a home run. And that's entirely true, sure. right? You don't want every game to crush it because I don't right. I think it's so unrealistic. Right. And they do crush it in the terms of just giving you all this value and saying, like, here you go, have fun. But at the same time, while they're not needing to crush it, what's happened twice now, and Outriders you can sort of excuse for its servers, but even then it was very extensive. I didn't play the game for a week because mm -hmm. then they had, if people may forget, it did have the bug, which was um, an inventory wipe bug, and yep. it was pretty widespread. And this is, once again, someone who thinks Outriders was one of the most fun games that came out this year, and it's yep. not even attacking the jank of it, like the, oh, it's got fade to black load screens and stuff. That doesn't even matter to me. Because it was a fun game at the end of the day. But there were clear major technical flaws there. There were clear major technical flaws here with Dark Alliance. I played it for a couple hours last night. And, I mean, we we were actually two hits from killing the final boss. And the game crashed. Oh. We lost all our progress. Uh, it was super laggy. Yeah. Uh, the, the AI was not responsive. It's just, I'm going to be honest, it, it is a very broken game. And it's a shame yeah. because underneath it, Kind of like what you could say with Outriders. It was like the underneath it, there's something, there's there. something here, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I find frustrating is it doesn't need to be a slam dunk. Let's get the best of the best. Because we are seeing that with, I think, a game like Hades. Like that's a that's a slam dunk, I think. Like you know that's going to be good. Hopefully, right? At least right. the fork yeah. should come out well. I shouldn't jinx right. it, right? <laughs> but I, I, I look at something like that and clearly you have those known hitters coming. But... I look at moments like this and think to myself, well, as we engage more with third-party deals, their ratio isn't that good. It's not. It's great to see the value. It's great to know, thank you, I saved the money. 
but there has to be some emphasis on the quality if they're going to be investing. Yeah. At least that's my interpretation. I know it's not heavily agreeable. I understand that. I know there's going to be pushback on that. It is just my two cents on the subject because despite the value it offers does not mean that all criticism for it is invalidated. Right. And I think people would not be complaining if Dark Alliance released in a proper state and then they brought it to Game Pass right. when it was fixed, something along those lines. But the day one gets, I know, push this service forward. Yeah, absolutely. With that, let's get into some warm-up questions. First one comes from Steve, Steve Forgione. He says, hey, boys, as discussed on Sacred Symbols Plus, Spider-Man is effectively a PlayStation exclusive, likely due to movie rights that Sony has over him and won't relinquish. With that said, what Marvel character would you want to see have an Xbox-developed exclusive? I know we have had talk of Batman last year since Microsoft was in talks to get Warner Bros. games, but I wanted to limit it to just Marvel characters. A Ninja Theory-developed Wolverine game or Coalition-backed Captain America would definitely fit the bill here. What ideas do you have on your end? Have a great day. I don't know if you're a big Marvel guy, Ben. I don't I don't know that about you yet. Is, is this a thing that you care about at all? Uh, yes, you could say that. I am the antithesis oh. of oh. Dustin when it comes to... Dustin wants to ban, uh, for, for those who are listening to uh, Sacred Symbols, Dustin wants to ban Marvel from the world. And I want <laughs> to make it our president. Okay. So okay. there's a big... Yeah, but yes, I am a big Marvel character or big Marvel fan. Um, you are have a big been, character too. I, I am a character too. Uh, <laughs> have been since I was a kid. Now I'm by no means, you know, I don't have an encyclopedia, no, encyclopedic knowledge of everything, but uh, I right. love, I love Marvel for sure. So who's your pick then? Do you do you have one that comes to mind right away? You don't even have to name a studio, but a hero. Well, when you sent this earlier, uh, this, this doc before I even finished reading the question, I thought Wolverine automatically. Uh, mm -hmm. But since this this person asked the question, I thought about the fact that I'd really like to see Daredevil. Mm. And the reason I want to see Daredevil is because I think it would be challenging to create a game in a visual medium about a character that has no sight. Right. So I don't know. I think that's really cool. Uh, I was also thinking about uh, Jessica Jones, just because I think there's a cool mm. story there to tell. Uh, maybe you get a little bit of Senua's sacrifice or Senua, uh, Senua Saga vibes going. Um, yeah. because she has a lot of like PTSD type stuff and maybe get some of that going. Maybe it's more of a, not the, not, not pejorative phrase, but a walking sim as opposed to an action game. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't, I don't know if you're a big Marvel fan either. <laughs> I, the thing is, is that I, what sucks is I'm a big Spider-Man guy. And yeah. so I've been just really like hitting the drum of, of, Hey, give us a good Spider-Man game. Yeah. And when Insomniac finally delivers that, I think to myself, what's next? Out of the comics I've read. I would say one that I, I would be very interested in is X-23. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. she's pretty underutilized. Um, and I remember reading the whole collection of those comics, and I found her story of just kind of this kid growing up in a lab, trained murderer, activated by scent at times, and just kind of blacks out and yeah accidentally murders people. Um, uh, there was just some really fascinating <laughs> stories there. And who, I think who that, hasn't? Who hasn't? Yeah, though, right. You know? <laughs> just... <laughs> just that... That story of uh, and and delivering that through a game of almost this lack of control. Yeah, I think I almost think of near in a way where it's like you're the bad guy. Oops, mm -hmm. and um, I feel like that could sort of be delivered here. I don't know who the ideal studio mm -hmm. for that would be, but I would love to see X twenty three personally. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I can I can see the comments rolling in on that. Not about what you said, but about that game and people are like, oh, they made a girl Wolverine or, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah uh, of course. But no, she's she's a great character. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, and I, I imagine you yeah. could do some fun stuff with that loss of control with, with your actual controls in the game. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't help but think of Nier with that. That'd mm -hmm. be really cool. Yeah. 
Kyle Clays is our next question. Fellas, I know this isn't ham radio, but I'll cut to the chase. Mr. Dickalicious Dustin Firm Man made a point to say that Xbox needs to bring back Banjo-Kazooie. My question for you, how do you think a Banjo-Kazooie revival would fare in today's market? What do you think they would do? Uh, what do you think they could do to the platformer to make it more appealing to today's audience? Do the Titty Gobbler or Portland-based, uh, which this would be Carrick, who's yeah. not here, uh, have any desire to see the bear and bird make a return to form? Hope you all have a perfectly flaccid week. Much love from rural Oregon. Thank you, Kyle. So, are you a banjo guy at all? I like Did banjo. Just... I wouldn't call myself a super fan, but I always, I played the games, loved them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. This is one of my blind spots. I got to be honest. Oh, so okay. I come from the uh, approach of I've not really played banjo. Uh -huh. So how can we bring it back? What would appeal to me more than anything? And I think what happens is some of these dead IP get underestimated. I think Metroid was one, right? Yeah. Like Metroid is a game that has been dead for so long. Oh, it's one of Nintendo's worst-selling series. Right. Now it's one of the most pre-ordered games. Yeah. And so I feel like Banjo could see a similar bounce back. Now, as a guy who has played them, mm -hmm. what do you view a potential revival as? Maybe not in the terms of a game, but uh, really just what would capture an audience nowadays? Well, first of all, I think that there's a lot of potential there to do Banjo remasters mm. or, or even remakes to some extent. You know, put them in a, in a new engine and make them run smoother. Don't do a... Uh, a, a Super Mario style port where you're just bringing them all over to a new console, but actually redo them. And that can right. show you if there's there's a potential, like we've been seeing a lot, a potential for a new game in the series. But I think what people want from Banjo is exactly what it's always been. Well, not always. There's been some misfires, but exactly <laughs> what it's been is just uh, a solid platformer, but also it's not really a platformer. It's, a, it's more like open world adventure, uh, but just mm -hmm. a solid... A solid game with a lot of fun. I mean, it's goofy. It's stupid. Uh, they talk in gibberish, you know. There's some cool mechanics that go into like uh, in, into Kazooie and flying around and carrying Banjo around with his, you know, from his backpack. Uh, some stuff like that. I think those are cool. I think it just make a cool. Uh, and I, I said it's not a side scroller, but maybe it could be a side scroller. Maybe that'd be another fun addition. Yeah, right. I, I feel like that would be the evolution mm -hmm. is. You see Mario do this a little bit where they do 2D, 2.5D, and 3D all in one game. Kind of like yeah, Odyssey yeah. had these segments where they do stuff right. along those lines. And maybe something like that for Banjo where it's just this very expansive platformer could be easily marketable. But I agree that I feel with a lot of these old series that sometimes they overthink it. There's a degree mm -hmm. of that in the industry of like, what can we do that's earth shattering with the series? And it's like sometimes you don't really need the earth shattering moment. Like you yeah, can dude, just... Yeah make the game again right. and just leave it as is. And people will be perfectly happy with that. Cause that's what happened with crash, right? Like they brought right. back crash. There's like, here's the insane trilogy. And it did really well, like yeah. 10 million copies sold. And then they did crash four, which did okay, but they really went in on it and like tried to reinvent the formula in a couple of ways. Right. And, and you sort of saw the results of that where it's like sometimes less is more. And it's sort of been my mantra for a while. So yeah. I, I think they could just bring it back and, in a simple way and it'd be great just don't make i know this is going to raise the ire of some people but just don't make nuts and bolts you know just just go back <laughs> to the original roots don't don't bring it forward any just just make it what it was but better <laughs> sadly i can't even comment on that because i wouldn't know but i've heard the back and forths yeah. for sure badly braves our third question this one's a little more topical hey guys with Warner Bros. and AT&T selling Playdemic to EA for $1.4 billion, are you guys now fully expecting a sell-off of their remaining studios? I know it's been a lot of speculation before, but with this and rumors of Xbox acquiring NetherRealm and Rocksteady, 
seems a lot more likely now. If so, do you guys expect these companies to be sold with a limited deal to continue working on AT&T licenses like DC Comics, etc.? Hope you guys have a great week as always. Thank you, Badly Brave. Ben, mm -hmm. we see this sale happen this morning as we record this on, yeah. uh, on, on Wednesday, June 23rd. And what I noted was that it seems like they're going to be holding on to certain parts of their gaming division but do you think Xbox could pay a big enough price? I'll get the exact quote in the meantime. But do you think Xbox could pay a big enough price to maybe still extract that? I mean, Xbox can pay a big enough price. That's I don't think that's the question. That's what it's what the what the restrictions are around those characters. Specifically, mm. you know, you're talking about Rocksteady. I mean, you've got the DC Universe lined up there. And I mean, the, that's something that they're probably they're getting better about being protective of their properties, I think. And so it depends on what they think Xbox specifically would do with it. I think they'll probably still sell them. I mean, they were working in that direction. I wonder if the, you know, the increase in sales and in the interest in the market stopped some of those things from happening during the pandemic because they were like, oh, there's potential here. We can make many more millions of dollars than we thought we were going to. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. I feel like once something like this is set in motion or really gets out into the into the world you know if xbox wants them they can just walk up to them and say what what number do we need to, to write on this check <laughs> right. and we'll take it from you right uh so i think it's possible i don't know if it's smart but it's possible right the quote i was referencing says we have enjoyed working with the talented team at playdemic as they have grown golf clash beyond all expectations to do a hit mobile game with tremendous longevity said david haddad president warner bros games while we have great respect for the Playdemic team, our decision to divest is a part of our overall strategy to build games based on the Warner Bros. storied franchises. So this is stuff like Mortal Kombat, yeah. Batman. Doesn't really necessarily mean they can't license them out. Right. Um, I don't think it takes them off the table entirely. That's that's kind of the major question here is, is are they still available for purchase? I kind of defer to what colin says sometimes which is uh anything is for sale right, right? it's about yeah. the, the price tag um and while this may, this may be getting the ball rolling on that if you can get 1.4 billion for playdemic yeah what could you get for rocksteady <laughs> what could you get for nether realm i'm sure that would be upwards of bethesda prices quite honestly with the sell high market i know that may sound crazy to some people but if i'm warner bros you can really leverage like hey xbox you don't got a fighter man like you need you right. need nether realm like that's a five million or five billion bucks right now and right I do think that um, they could really charge them for this, but I do think that if Xbox gets the studios, I don't think they get the IP with them. I think they mm -hmm. would have to work with Warner Bros. to acquire those and right. not, maybe not even fully acquire, but sit, license them out. Say like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get NetherRealm as is, and they will then be, be lent, say, Mortal Kombat. You also that would be an interesting transformation. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're, yeah, I cut you off. Uh, you're, you also have to wonder like, is it smart for them to sell them before the next, like, for instance, Rocksteady game comes out? Because if that game does well, then they're worth way more. If that game mm. does poorly, they're worth way less. <laughs> do you hedge your right. bets? Do you do you sell it and get the for sure dollar now? Or do mm. you risk it and maybe maybe you can uh, get extract more cash out of them? I don't know. That's a guarantee. That's a, that's a gamble. I don't think the next Rocksteady game is going to be bad. I really doubt the next NetherRealm game is going to be bad. Yeah. But... That's one of those. I'm sure they have some number crunchers figuring out what's our what's our risk here if we if we sell ahead of time versus our reward.
What's interesting is there's like those rumors of of Warner Bros. Uh, or not Warner Bros. Sorry, NetherRealm mm-hmm. working on a Marvel fighter. Yeah, and who'd be published by Warner Bros. You'd imagine, and yeah. it's like, well, what's that going to look like now? Right. So yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out. I, I kind of anticipate almost a repeat of last year, where sometime around September we'll hear right about new acquisitions, maybe before then. But I, I feel like some point this year we're going to hear something. I don't know if it'll come from the spot we expect it though, but. Mm-hmm. This may be the start of the snowball rolling down the hill and growing into a great big avalanche. For all so, we know, they're already sold so, and just not announced. That's very well possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Very well possible. Next is about the uh, 2022 to 2024 lineup of Xbox. This one comes from John Kerry. Hey, Duke dudes. I saw that you're, uh, Maddie, I saw your video on Obsidian about Avowed in the Outer Worlds 2, and it got me wondering if there's a risk for Microsoft's post-2022 lineup becoming a little too cluttered. If their goal is to have a first-party release every quarter, which they've publicly said, I feel like they have enough games announced to just make that about happen in 2023 and 24. Everwild, Outer Worlds 2, Hellblade 2, Fable, Avowed, Perfect Dark are all announced and seemingly in that 2023 to 2024 window. What well, that's without, sorry, a coalition game, Forza game, in exile game, compulsion game fitting in these windows. Let's not even get into the third party exclusives or Bethesda. <laughs> At what point is there a fear of these games cannibalizing each other? Just a thought. Hope all is well. Thank you, John. This is uh, interesting because we've sort of seen the pendulum swing mm-hmm. from no games to, uh oh, right. there may be too many in a certain point. Do you have this fear of of them sort of? Going from nothing to, and I want to be hyperbolic when I say nothing, but not as much to pounding away with releases in uh, you know every couple of months. Yeah, uh, I don't really have this fear as as far as them, you know, owning all these studios. I think there's that potential, but like, I don't know. All these studios exist, and these games are going to get made whether they own them all or not. So why not own them and and cash in on them? Now, of course, if their resources right. are being too diminished by putting them into one studio or another or if the management isn't where it needs to be then you know those are some real problems for sure that are real potential problems but like these games are gonna be made they're gonna come out maybe they're gonna be made better by more money i don't really see that being an issue yeah i don't either and i think a lot of people are getting ahead of themselves with this because i look at playstation where i feel like we got an answer to that worry they did last of us part two and they had ghost of tsushima tucked behind and everyone was like they're hiding ghost of tsushima yeah in my opinion oh god we might like the comments of blaze now <laughs> but i thought ghost of tsushima blew that game out of the water i yeah. thought ghost yeah. of tsushima was so surprisingly good in yeah. every way shape and form from top to bottom i think that game was it- better because of my low expectations for it yeah. yeah, but then it, to me, started to exceed it because the story was really good mm-hmm. and I loved how the open world exploration was handled. I really felt it, it in a subtle way, rethought things. Yeah. And when you had a game so superb there, following up what is one of your biggest PlayStation IPs from probably your biggest studio in Naughty Dog, I feel like that puts that concern to bed a little bit where we've seen PlayStation, granted they have a more established uh, uh, following and, and uh, expectation of, oh, this is going to be quality. So more right. people may just give it their time and attention where Xbox is still earning that. I do look at it and say, I think that they've sort of put that to rest where we've seen what happens where both games sold well, were reviewed well, right. even though they released back to back and that companies aren't afraid to do that. And I think it's because we have Battlefield and Titanfall just still lingering there as this cannibalizing nature yeah. of what can happen if you release too closely from the same company. Right. Uh, but Xbox's portfolio is 
big and diverse enough where I feel if you go Fable and Perfect Dark in, the, in back-to-back months, they'll be fine. Especially with Game Pass, you might see more people just float in and play the game than not because right. there's that accessibility to try it. Well, I think there's also a different... There's another part of it, too, that people like you and me and probably a lot of the audience don't get is that, like, we play... If it comes out and it looks good, I'm going to play it. Even if it doesn't look good, but I can play it on Game Pass, I'm going to play it. But, like, the average person has a genre or two or maybe three that they like. They play, you know, they, they play the specific types of games they like, and they're not just going to play everything out there. The The average gamer, I would say, is that way. And so, like, yeah, you have a couple games that are going to fall within the same thing here or within the same genre, but, like, Hellblade 2 and uh, Forza are entirely different types of games, right? So right. somebody who loves racing games but doesn't really like games like Hellblade are not going to, that's not going to be a concern. So like you have exactly. something for everyone at the same time. And I even said it with stuff that's shared in a genre. Like as a guy who's an RPG fan, you know, you, you look at the Outer Worlds and Starfield and you think, well, those two games are up my alley, but there are going to be people who have a particular itch scratched by the Outer Worlds that Starfield doesn't. Like I imagine Outer Worlds will probably be, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just based off what the Outer Worlds 1 was, I anticipate the second will be still kind of narrowed in its focus. I don't think it'll be open world. Yeah. Um, and, and getting in your ship and going from planet to planet, like I anticipate Starfield will be. And for me, that may scratch a, a certain itch that reminds me of KOTOR and brings me back to a time where I think these are the best way RPGs are made. But some people may prefer the design and style of Starfield, and that may click with them more. So even if you're double dipping, right. that's under the assumption that you're one thing will hit everybody and it's not. And so right. I think they're doing the right thing. You're yeah. going to have Fable and Elder Scrolls 6 in the same library in a number of years. And it's right. like some people are really going to like what Fable does that right. Elder Scrolls 6 may not. So I think some people are getting ahead of themselves and yeah. also not realizing that with how easily accessible they are, you don't even have to be hardcore like you and I and many others of I'm gonna, it looks good, I'm going to play it. Right. Because of Game Pass, you can just do that. So yeah. even more, we'll say casual people can now adopt that style. Sure. Last warm-up question. We'll get into the news afterwards. Jack Palumbo. Dear Maddie and Carrick. Sorry, once again, no Carrick here. We've heard that Xbox wants to get Game Pass on PlayStation consoles to potentially allow access to their exclusives. Inversely, how do you guys think Xbox would react if PlayStation had a subscription service with the same offerings? Would they or would they not want the service on Xbox platforms? Isn't this interesting? I love this question because it's finally like the shoes on the other foot. Yes. Like... We're hearing a little bit something different here. It's not how can Xbox bring it to PlayStation, which I think with xCloud through the browser, right. we might see it on there in that way. Right. But with PlayStation, if they do their own subscription service, do you think they go as broad as Xbox wants to? I don't think so. I just, I have not seen a desire, a desire from Sony ever to play nice with others. You know, we've seen it in the cross-play discussion uh, we've seen it in the backwards compatibility discussion or lack thereof. Uh, we've seen it in, I mean, you're seeing a little more playing with others as far as, you know, releasing some of the first party games on PC. But I feel like Xbox knows that if they put it out there, PlayStation fans won't be able to resist it. But PlayStation is still, and I mean, just for everybody who's going to roast me for this, I'm I'm probably... Uh, I'm as much a PlayStation fan as I am an Xbox fan. I'm primarily mm. a PC player, but I, I love both. PlayStation 
isn't they're not forward thinking in this respect they're not gonna play well with others in my opinion i don't i don't think they would i don't even think they would ask i think as a matter of fact if xbox came to them and said we would like to give you money to put your service on our platform playstation would still be like now we're good we want it we want it over mm-hmm. here we're, we're playing console wars still interesting yeah i um i i see that too i, I don't think that you're going to see that strictly because of some of the streaming infrastructure that sony has set up is you know we know they got gaikai and i want to say 2013 Beyond that, though, the reason Xbox, I think, is able to expand this far is they really started this initiative. And I want to say like 20. I mean, it's been for a while, but I I think they started really talking about it publicly in 2017. My years may be off on that 2017, 18 with xCloud. Yeah. And it's starting to come to a head now. where We're seeing it hit more platforms and they're talking about dongles for the TV and separate Game Pass devices. And so they've been working towards this where by the time PlayStation were to have caught up and had that infrastructure, Xbox will be on to a next step like who knows if maybe 4k streaming becomes a possibility of saying because right now they have the series x right. uh, infrastructure set up for streaming where maybe they can take it that step further on a visual level where when right. playstation's getting 1080p streaming rolling xbox may be on the next level and that's why you know xbox had to play, play a really interesting patient game but it's paying off here where playstation cannot pivot as quickly right in a number of ways yeah so I think they're going to do their own subscription service. I just don't think it's going to be as easy to reach. I agree. Yeah, the, the, you get into the, this position with business stuff all the time where uh, mm-hmm. you're if you start out behind the eight ball, it's impossible to catch yeah. up. And not I shouldn't say impossible. It's possible. And Xbox, look, they're doing great right now. Whether it's in six months or five years, they're going to falter. They're going to they're going to lose a step. And whether or not Xbox, whether or yeah. not PlayStation can catch them is a good question as far as these types of services, right? Right. But yeah, I think you're dead on. That, and I also just think Xbox, this is a, they're striking at probably the best time. I I, I say this not too much, but I'm probably going to start mentioning more often is I think the pandemic may have been one of the better things that happened to Xbox. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is they started striking with big Game Pass deals and streaming and ease of access during a time where people were losing jobs and right. didn't have as much money. Right. That sits with people more than anything. You have saved me money. You have saved me time. Right. You have made it easier for me to continue my hobby without losing anything. Right. Thank you. And I think that just earns loyalty. So I think they've struck at, for lack of better terms, an opportune time right. where I feel like PlayStation, even if they catch up, I don't know if they'll earn that strange amount of goodwill that, that Xbox did because I think it happened during a time where people needed that ease of access. They needed, hey, I can't afford these $70, $60 games every month or whenever they release, I'm just yeah. going to pay 15 bucks a month and call it a day and just play what's there. I think it's also very much, not to drag this on too much, but I think it's also like, oh, you're good. you know, PlayStation has been so good to us for so many years. Mm-hmm. If they just keep doing what they're doing, which is really good, we look at it and we're like, oh yeah, that's normal. But when you look yeah. at Xbox for so many years, we were like, please just give us something. And then they're like, okay, here's the coolest thing. Then it's really mm-hmm. easy for us to be like, Xbox is amazing. True. Even if they're exactly the same, it you know, Xbox is in a better light. But I think you're right about the, the pandemic stuff. It's just right place, right time. Mm-hmm. And not just that, it's the right preparation, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into the news. We got a decent amount of stuff to go through today. The first one's an interesting connection of multiple stories. So a swirling rumor that's captured the industry is one that surrounds Blue Box Studios and the tinfoil hat theory of being made by Hideo Kojima and a possible PlayStation 5 exclusive in the works. Prior to that, there were further mumblings supported by shelves of Phil Spencer that Kojima is getting in bed with Xbox, which would make sense, of course, with Death Stranding struggling a bit to be exposed to a lot of people 
you, you imagine a lot more of these niche games are going to head to Game Pass. Yeah. Interestingly, this week we saw a hiring that connected a couple more dots in what the legendary game director is up to. Announcing a new hire via Twitter, Xbox welcomed Kim Swift to the team. Quote, our team focuses on three pillars in our games, community, innovation, and inclusivity. Today, at K2, the Swift joins us in Xbox Game Studios Publishing to accelerate our innovation and collaborate with independent studios to build games for the cloud, end quote. Kim's most significant work was at Valve, where she was development lead on the likes of Portal and Left 4 Dead. VentureBeat reports, quote, Microsoft is making the move in part to specifically aid Kojima. That legendary developer was previously going to make a game with Stadia, but Google has backed away from games. The Metal Gear creator is now in the midst of negotiations with Xbox to produce the game. Kojima Productions is still in the early design phases for this project, end quote. In an interview with Polygon, Xbox Game Studios publishing head Peter Wise attempted to describe this new initiative. Quote, the company's next big goal is to create cloud native games. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like today or what it even plays like. Kim is going to build a team focused on new experiences in the cloud, something that's going to support our mission of bringing Xbox games to connect 3 billion gamers to play our games, end quote. Now, Ben, Xbox has a habit of sometimes speaking like this where they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. And we've all had that as creatives where you have this idea and you're like, how do I put it into words? And no one gets it until we start to see it. I feel yeah. like they've done that before. We saw it a little bit with the Bethesda acquisition. How are the exclusives <laughs> going to end up? We saw it with xCloud. How is that going to end up? And then you eventually see the product. I have examples I jotted down of times where Xbox has used clouds for their games. Mm-hmm. But uh, before I dive into that, I want to know, what do you envision when you hear this stuff? Kojima aside, what do you envision when you hear games in the cloud? Uh, what comes to mind for you, if anything at all? I mean, when I first read this, my first thought was just that, you know, they've, they're doing so much with cloud gaming right now and enabling games to be able to be played on cloud through, through xCloud that maybe they're just going to have some more where you have maybe the possibility of having a small local client if you want that, but really Mm -hmm. a game that is designed to be made in the cloud. All these other games we're seeing are games that are designed to be played locally, but are able to be played in the cloud. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you get games that have, uh, if if you've got a lot of latency, it doesn't matter as much. Probably a lot more first person, non first person shooter, sorry. Yeah. Single player, but non first person shooter type games where it's not as important if uh if there's a little bit of latency there so i think that's i don't know i'm with you i mean that's confusing they clearly know what they're talking about but they haven't Mm -hmm. telegraphed that out directly to us yeah yeah two examples i brought to the table one was microsoft flight simulator this was a recent one where they used azure in order to somewhat accurately create every inch of the entire globe Mm -hmm. with incredible detail uh they used data from bing maps to generate 3d models using terrain roads vegetation buildings and other world materials and if you have an using an internet connection the game streams all of these in real time yeah which we can see that in action we've seen that before the other was one i actually dug deep for because it always stuck with me and i'm sure there have been instances between crackdown 3 and microsoft flight simulator but i couldn't quite narrow them down but this was not indicative of the final product but something that microsoft heavily touted with the power of cloud computing which is real-time environmental destruction in crackdown 3's wrecking zone gameplay which we saw in 2015 and it was there in the final product although not as extensively 
But that's what I viewed it as, is this almost extension of what the game is capable of through cloud computing. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Gojima, we're not, I'm not going to bother guessing. Yeah. I'm not like, I, if anyone could try to guess what guess, Death Stranding was before it came out. Right. And, and like, this is what he's going to make. No, like we're not going to, I don't think it's, I think as someone who likes to speculate, it's a waste of time to speculate on that. <laughs> what I really would like to focus on is what do you make of Xbox gearing up this hard to get Kojima on board? I mean, that's a pretty strong move to say like, hey, we're going to make this hire. We're going to make it public. We're going to have an interview supplying that, explaining what we're doing about this initiative to really in particular help Kojima and of course other developers, but right. help him see his vision through. It, you know, this is this could be, a, uh, I don't want to say just in a, a console warsy fashion, but a major blow to PlayStation. But I mean, yep. this is a guy whose home was PlayStation since the PS1 with Metal Gear. And uh, here we are now looking at him uh, switching a little bit. Uh, so what do you think about this this pretty substantial move to get Kojima on board? I think maybe it is a little bit of console wars. I mean, for years we've been saying like, oh, it's so nice that all the, the big guys play together. But it really started to hit me whenever the at the Xbox conference, uh, when they, you know, a couple times came out and said, yes, this will be Xbox exclusive or, or you know, Microsoft exclusive or whatever. And granted, we wanted them to come right out and say it, just put it in words that we could all mm-hmm. understand as as simple people. But there was a little bit of like, oh, that, you know, that, that kind of sounds like it would sting if you're a fanboy of, of PlayStation <laughs> really want these games, you know? And right. I almost wonder if this is like another like they're, they're still playing nice, but like, hey, this is exclusive. You know, that's 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 the right hook. And uh hey by the way um we we took the we took kojima you know we, we still like playstation they're great over there but we're gonna do this better right so i think that that is a little bit of it now obviously i mean people love kojima he's a visionary he makes crazy stuff and and really innovative and i could see kojima being the guy to use cloud gaming in a different way Cla- something with cloud gaming that we've never seen before but i i have to imagine there's a little part of them that was like sitting in a boardroom hey what what if we stole Kojima? Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you have to imagine there, it It starts somewhere, right? It's yeah. not just because if you're, if, let's be honest, man, if they're thinking metrics, they're thinking numbers, they're going through it all. Your data would say, let's stay away yeah. from what Kojima is doing just based off that stranding. It didn't sure. perform horribly. I don't right. want to be hyperbolic, but it wasn't such a heavy seller that it's like let's make a hiring let's like do let's move all these parts of course there's something there that is oh that would sting wouldn't it and hey that would look really good for us and flip the script yeah i'm sure they made their money on death stranding but they probably didn't light the world on fire with their profits either yeah no and it probably stood the chance to because it didn't i say this with all due respect it didn't look like it was using a ton of assets and right and development time to it's there's a reason why they built it so quick and because the the world to and fro was not seemingly full of right things so yeah it was probably an opportunity to make a lot of money off that game sure and i i feel like what we'll end up seeing with this is probably the seeds being placed with like death stranding on xbox through game pass once again those things on <laughs> phil spencer's shelf i mean i can't help but just dig back into them and go they're intentional we know yeah. as much we've heard as much yeah and uh you saw the death stranding uh Luden statue in the background and that's what I'm waiting for is I, I don't I say this I say this once again, not to be mean, but I don't I don't want to spend money on Death Stranding. That right. is one hundred percent and that's a complete contradiction to my argument at the top of the show, which is, you know, <laughs> whoa, was Game Pass quality, this, this, that. It's like, yeah, I get it, by the way. That's <laughs> I'm totally aware. Right. But Death Stranding's a game I don't want to spend money on. So I'll right. wait for that on Game Pass. And I think that's how they'll get the ball rolling, is yeah. is something along those lines. And did, did you play Death Stranding previously? 
No, no, never once. Okay, yeah. Did you? I did. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Uh, I oh, enjoyed yeah. my time with it, but it it wasn't for me. I played probably thirty hours of it, which was for me too long. But That's I think it's a, a good. I think it's a good game, but I just it wasn't for me to finish. Yeah, I um, I'm interested more now with apparently this new Metal Gear approach they're taking in the mm. PS5 release, where they're adding more reportedly right. gameplay to it that would grab me a little bit more yeah. i don't mind the exploration i think that's kind of nice but if there's more things happening yeah. that would be a proper response to me that would get me on board to check it out right yeah number two in october of 2017 ea shuttered the beloved visceral games who brought us a trilogy of fantastic horror games in the names of dead space one two and three they were hard at work on project ragtag which was a brand new star wars game before being closed while the original team is gone, reports across the industry are in and the state of EA and state that EA Motive looks to keep the series alive. Komatsu and Video Game Chronicles have corroborated a Jeff Grubb report that the Star Wars Squadron developers will be handling a reimagining of the Dead Space franchise. This would mean it's not a sequel to the existing trilogy. The plan is to announce is for EA to announce this at their summer event, EA Play Live, on July 22nd. Ben, I'm a big Dead Space guy. Are you? I am. Um, I wouldn't call myself a big Dead Space guy. I played Dead Space okay. One, but I it, it didn't. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not. I I I'm could hurt. be convinced, but I'm not currently. No. Well, I hope this reimagining is for you. Then I personally love Dead Space. It's yeah. one of those trilogies that I respect a lot because the first ones, each of them, each entry is something very particular. Like one is very survival horror. Yeah. Two is very much still scary and creepy, but builds the characters. And three is this kind of Mass Effect three like moment where it's. It's very divisive, yeah. very gameplay heavy. It's co-op. It's weird. It's got customization in it. Yeah. And for some people, they love it. I like it a lot. And some yeah. people hate it. But now we're seeing that more is on the way. Um, we'll talk about that. But I also wanted to tap into something that came to mind. And we had the perfect write-in from Tyler to sort of fit that. Hey, boys. Hope you're all doing well. So... Jeff Grubb might have leaked a potential Dead Space revival, and as someone who writes about games and has been wanting EA to bring the IP back, I'm very upset. This would have been an awesome announcement to see off guard, and with Grubb and Schreier constantly leaking details about new games, they've started to come off as disrespectful. To me, it's one thing to leak details about a game's development that happened years ago. It's another to completely soil a surprise that would have made thousands happy. And the fact that Grubb and Schreier leak stuff like this lends me to believe that they do it for clout and nothing more, regardless of the developer or publisher's expense. Am I taking this too personally, or is my frustration with these two bloggers justified? Thanks for everything you boys do. You make the work days go by quicker. Ty. Thank you, Ty. Now, Ben, I know this is a tough question, so you answer to... to how you would like sure. um we don't want to make this into gossipy but of course that was one of my first thoughts is while they're doing it this would be incredible as a dead space fan i'm excited but i also think of the opportunity that ea had and i don't really typically sympathize with them but they had the opportunity to really blow people away yeah. and say hey it's back We've seen this happen before, and yes, in particular, it has been mostly with Grub and Schreier. What do you think of the constant leaking about new games? Schreier's definitely pulled back on it, but yeah. you know, Grub did this for Mass Effect. He's doing it for Dead Space now. I'm sure EA is not a fan of him. Yeah. So how do you? How do you? It's good to know knowledge is power, but at the same time, what do you make of of some? pure announcements just being spoiled at this rate. Yeah, I mean, this is the the age-old question, right? Is should you let them do it themselves or should you do it for them? 
I hate it personally. I, I totally hate it, but I don't know that I can blame them. Like mm. I would prefer to be surprised in the moment, just like a lot of other people. Uh, I'm not somebody, I mean, I know there's people who like go out and look at spoilers for movies before they watch them. I just don't, I don't understand that any, in no, any sense of the word. But when I actually think about it, what I always try to, I mean, not always, what I try to do is like put myself in those shoes. Hey, if I was, if I had an outlet or if I had a, a name behind myself and I got some information about something that would definitely set the world on fire. I mean, you know, uh, Tyler talks about maybe they're just doing it for, for clout or uh, something like that. I mean, yeah. Who who doesn't want to make their name more reputable? Who doesn't want to get that clout? Who doesn't want to let that lead into more opportunities for them? So while I hate it, I also have to respect it because like they've put themselves in a position where they can get this information and make a name for themselves. So yeah, I, I mean, I hate being spoiled, but I respect the grind. Yeah, I think that's perfectly put. I think there's no other way to really walk around it. The only thing I'll say is I think there's a a line that can be drawn of when are you spoiling? Like, I think this was kind of blatant. Yeah. I think it might be a little more reactionary to leap specifically on this um, because as someone who covered like every single public leak of, of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I'd be a hypocrite. <laughs> and also I'd be a hypocrite to say, talk about how I think information is powerful and how we need to use it yeah. at the same time as saying clam up. I do think to a degree, though, that if people aren't expecting a reveal, that you don't need to say something. You don't need to answer every single question. Right. Um, but I do understand why they do it. And while cloud is used as a pretty negative term, it almost sounds like he's inflating his ego. Right. It's more so that I personally got tired of sort of the Schreier train of it was always him. Everything was pipeline through him. And it's now becoming Schreier and Grub pipelines. And yeah. I've just said for a while, I would like it rather to be just multiple of that. Sure. I don't need to, to beat that dead horse. Right. But I'm just happy that there is someone out there with equal amounts of information and contacts who is a little more chatty. Right. You know, we certainly used his work on our show here on right. my own channel. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where he's kind of an inescapable name. And I, I think that's pretty clear, right? I yeah. think that's kind of the goal is... The amount of shows I sit down to write up and I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I got to fucking no offense to him, but I got to fucking write his name again. Like, I got to throw him out there. And it's like right. we do that because we want to give credit. But, yeah, that's kind of the goal here. He's growing his brand just like we've grown ours and so on and so forth. So I mm -hmm. respect what he's doing um, and I understand it. It's just, yeah, in certain instances, it can be a little more frustrating than others, you know. Yeah. And once again, I'm not one to talk because I've right. even leaked things about Aspire working on KOTOR and and that it's coming and and release windows and stuff so yeah yeah you you know i feel like playing with the information of things we know about is different though from what we don't know about but sure i get it and uh, i understand the frustration tyler i don't think you're overreacting i no. think it's justified but you also need to understand as these people grow that this is going to happen and yeah. so i respect what they're doing as for dead space a reimagining i don't know how i feel about that yeah i don't know i don't know I, I don't like that. What do you what do you think about everything started stopping at three? Some things barely get to three. Then most things get to a trilogy and then stop. I would love to see someone have the balls to say Dead Space four, right? And just you know, like everything gets rebooted after three, and I just want to see something continue. I, I think a lot of the reason we're seeing these things rebooted or remastered or re released or whatever is just because like. When did Dead Space 1 come out? 2007-ish, somewhere? Yeah, 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 it's around there. Six or seven. Right, yeah. something in that time in that time frame. 
I mean, how many new, brand new gamers are there? How many more consoles that are there out in the wild yeah, than there right. were in 2007? So, like, a game comes out, and I've started playing video games three years ago, and it's the fourth one in the series. There's a small chance I'm going to play it, or I'm going to go back and play the first three. Mm-hmm. And there's an even smaller chance I'm playing number four without playing the first three. So, gotcha. I get yeah. it. I agree with you. That'd be that'd be awesome, especially for fans of the franchise. But I know for me personally, like, yeah, if one through three are, are dated... I'm probably going to skip four if I haven't played the first three. Exactly. It's just, ah, man. Yeah. If only they didn't just go on hiatus yeah. for like 10 years, you know? <laughs> if if only things could be centered around our enjoyment rather than money. Yeah. You know, right? I mean, it just, was, oh, man. Just let's just make the world a better place. Come on. <laughs> Number three, we have uh, three updates on the Game Pass front, actually. I wrote two here on our doc, but there was an update this morning that I'm going to throw in here about new additions and removals from Game Pass. The first one is it appears that Judgment, the spinoff series to Yakuza, is heading to Xbox Game Pass. The service's official Twitter account posted a photo with the name of 280 video game characters. A follow-up showed one of the names crossed out, and that was Takeyuki Yagami. For those unfamiliar, this is the name of the protagonist in the series, which is receiving a sequel this September. So I would imagine it's a pretty blatant tease that they will be bringing that. They are starting to do what a lot of people struggle with, which is, I bought Like a Dragon, Mm -hmm. I bought Judgment, they are both now in, are heading to Game Pass, and it's like, okay, all right, right. You know, I get it. Stop buying physical games. I get it. <laughs> well, isn't the incentive? I mean, isn't the reason there like, I don't know about the reason, but one, these deals just may not have been struck. But two, like, if you put it out immediately, nobody's gonna, not nobody, but few people are gonna purchase it. If you wait till everybody who maybe has purchased it at full price has purchased it, then you can bring in new fans of the series that will then buy mm-hmm. the next game. At full price, yeah. hopefully. It's a good time to do judgment on Game Pass for sure. Yeah. B, Square Enix is quite pleased with the performance of Outriders on Xbox Game Pass. And this is great news for Xbox as they aren't the only ones boasting numbers for their own service like we've seen many times in the past. Mm-hmm. During the company's full year briefing, Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda said that the Outriders IP has, quote, gotten off to a good start, not only with player numbers, but with sales too. Matsuda continued, in addition, we have been pleasantly surprised with the digital sales ratio for the title which have been very high. And the number of active users has also beaten our expectations, said Matsuda. We believe that our decision to make Outriders available with Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass as soon as the title launched also worked in our favor to build an install base for the game, end quote. So now we're seeing Square Enix is um, pretty happy with things. And we saw that with Sega with uh, really Two Point Hospital and how it pushed it over 3 million sales. So Game Pass continues to be the discovery machine. Ben, any thoughts on on another satisfied customer? Well, I mean, I... I think that's great. I'm wondering what you think about it's it's great that they're happy with it. That that's good. I'm sure they also got a big fat check and they also <laughs> sold more games because of it because it was more in the in the zeitgeist. But how do you think I, I know you loved Outriders. I've played a little bit of it. I enjoyed what I played, not nearly as hot on it as you, but how do you think Outriders would have done had it not been on Game Pass? Bad. So it, it do you I mean like obviously people were more forgiving because it was included with their subscription there. Exactly. Part. Exactly. I I say, as someone who is a fan of the game, that Mm -hmm. Outriders was saved by Game Pass 100% because it made it, oh, we can wait out these server issues. I've got X, Y, and Z to play, and I don't need to play this now. You didn't spend money, so there isn't that urgent demand for many people to play it, but their their issues were widespread, and when they got the servers working, crossplay wasn't working. Me and Dustin tried to play it for a stream. When crossplay wasn't working... 
uh, or was working. Then the inventory white bug popped up and yeah. then there were like adjustments and nerfs to different classes. And it was like, what are you guys doing? This isn't a competitive game. Right. So yeah, there were a lot of bumps in the road for this launch, which is typical nowadays and speaks more so to the quality of just general game releases. But I, I, I will say that I think Game Pass really helped this one out more yeah. than probably anything. I think Dark Alliance, not to give you such a long-winded answer, but I think Dark Alliance is a little less forgivable because that just outright is pretty broken. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. This is a situation where it's like, this is fun when I get in for right. some people. Yeah. But it's about getting in. Well, and I think that goes back to the to the question we had early on of outriders like you know a lot of people had fun with it it was a good game for for many people but like does them coming out it's it's great that square enix had a success here and that the game is doing well and that probably will get a sequel or whatever but like does them coming out saying like we've we've been phenomenally impressed with game pass encourage more people to be like oh we can also release a, a buggy game and, and get out there when That's you really not only point. when think of that not only when you just have uh, a buggy game that does that, that does well or diminishes the service. I'm not even just talking about the service, but does it encourage more of that rather than just discourage subscribers? I mean, if I wasn't sure my game was going to do too high, I'd want to secure in however many dollars guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. You and I have talked about Game Pass in general about just like the secured mm -hmm. money there that you can either pour back into the pot or just kind of bring yourself closer to breaking even. Yeah. And for us, as you know, you work at Lilymo, and I, I myself want to launch a game and and I, I talk about how I want to bring it to Game Pass because of, you know, number one, getting people paid who've worked on the game, right. but just reduce it's all about risk reduction. And so these companies are gonna look at Outriders. Uh we're not I'll be curious to see what Dark Alliance has to say for itself. Yeah. But Outriders is kind of the standout example uh where where you could see, well, we released something that really wasn't quite ready and it struggled a lot and a lot of people bought it. And a lot more people bought it because of Game Pass. So someone who's less confident might bring their game to Game Pass. And people who are confident too well, by the right. way, I should make that clear. But yeah. I think, yeah, it does set a kind of potential scary precedent of some some game companies licking their chops and going, well, free money right here. Let's let's bring the big name there. Because Outriders was a reputable enough name sure. where it was a big day one announcement. Right. And, and you have to, I mean, I, I wonder then too, like if it was not that great of a game, like clearly it helped it sell well on other platforms too right because it like hit the charts on on playstation mm -hmm. uh and it definitely wasn't free there so like then what does that do to other ecosystems and other buyers who didn't get it for free yeah that at that point if you're spending money i always tell people like watch reviews not even yeah. my own like if you don't want to watch my whatever that's right. just inform yourself make an educated purchasing decision but that's what's been interesting is Xbox themselves were talking about MLB The Show saying, well, we not only helped make this game the most popular sports game on Xbox, but oh, we also helped it hit this point in the charts and grow MLB The Show overall. Sure. So it was charting for PlayStation despite it being on Game Pass. And once again, I just think you're going to, you know, people will likely drag myself and sadly you for this, but <laughs> I think it's because we're being proactive in something that can become a reality very fast sure. it takes it I, I know you said three to four i think it takes one or two more for this conversation to reach a new level of like okay yeah. what's happening here right right even if it's like in august and it happens right. again it's like you know that's multiple misses in the same year it depends uh, on if they all come in a row or if they're sprinkled across other games yes. also that are also great yeah exactly yeah speaking of which ben got some new game pass editions 
Coming today as we record June 23rd is Worms Rumble on June 24th. So when this is live for patrons, uh, Iron Harvest, Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit, Remastered, and Proteus come to Game Pass. And then on July 1st, Banjo-Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts. That's funny. That's uh, that's Cloud. Uh, Bug Fables, Gang Beasts, Immortal Realms, Vampires War, and Limbo come to Xbox Game Pass. Now, leaving June 30th is Battle Chasers Night War, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which you're not missing anything there. I'm going to be honest with you. Missed Over, more uh, Monster Hunter World, Out of the Park Baseball, Outer Wilds. I got to play that before that goes. Uh, Soul Calibur 6 and The Messenger. Please play that before it goes as well. Yeah. Really good game. But you can use your member discount to save up to 20% and keep them in your library. So if any of these games you like and you want to have them there, you can go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just some general additions and subtractions for Game Pass. Any any thoughts on what's coming into service? There's a few decent games in there for sure. Um, if you haven't played Limbo, I mean, I don't know where you've been, but definitely play that. It's a short experience uh, and it's great. And then um, uh, there was something else you mentioned there that I can't remember now. I don't have them in front of me. Bug uh, Fable. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this this popped up last. Bug no, Fable, Need good. for Speed, Iron, Iron Harvest. It was one of the later ones. Oh, Out of the Park Baseball. I am not really a huge sim, uh, you know, sim kind of fan. I mean, I like the sims, but you know what I mean? Out of the Park Baseball is supposed to be phenomenal. It's one of the only other MLB licensed really? games. I have not played it myself. I have spoken to the developer in the past and just heard some about it and watched a little bit of the gameplay. If you're a fan of like strategy sim games where it was oh, yeah, look at this thing. with very little action like action or gameplay it's supposed to be great and i mean they do a new title every year they update it so i have not played it so i can't actually personally recommend it but from what i understand it's supposed to be a phenomenal game and especially if you want to have real team names and don't want to play mlb the show it's you're pretty much your only other opportunity pretty cool yeah i'm just looking at it now interesting for free or well with your game pass subscription why not at least try it yeah Number four, this is all for you. You were in mind from top to bottom here. <laughs> Seems possible that more Disney content will head to Sea of Thieves. Here's what executive producer Joe Neat had to say in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz. Quote, We had our first meeting with Disney at E3 two years ago in a hotel near the show. They came to see us and were very complimentary of Sea of Thieves. They wanted to see if we were interested in doing something with... Dot, dot, dot. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean was the obvious one. But they have other stuff too. And they left it in our court to go away and have a think about it, end quote. The interview also mentioned that talks for this began August 2019. There was a creative pitch made in January of 2020. And it also noted that the original Sea of Thieves pitch was Pirates of the Caribbean crosses over with Wind Waker. And lastly is, and Ben, I know you've been playing this. um, There is a button upon startup that can bring you straight into a pirate's life, which is the new update that's come out for Sea of Thieves. So, of course, I want to ask you how you're enjoying that. I know you streamed it for a couple hours uh, the night before. But what do you also think about what you saw from this Pirates Life update and what more could they do with other Disney property, perhaps? Yeah. So full disclosure, I'm a gigantic Sea of Thieves fan. <laughs> I love Pirates of the Caribbean. So I just want to get those things Wait, out of the way. you love that too? Oh my I God. I do. Wow. <laughs> I unabashedly like it. I know it's not great and I still like it. So, wow. I mean, and maybe that's, that's why awesome. I like one or the other. So for me, I mean, this was, there are certainly people even more excited than me who are like huge Disney fans. I'm, I like Disney, but you know, it's Disney. Um, but just to put that in context that I am going to gush about this with no remorse and no nuance. So mm-hmm. if you don't like that. That's where I'm coming from. But no, so the the update is out, and I think we'll still have an episode uh, for Defining Duke Ultimate in the yes, future about, about Sea of Thieves at a broader scope. But 
the the update's really cool. It's basically, uh, if you're familiar at all with, with Sea of Thieves, it's five tall tales uh, that are totally centered around the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and ride. It's it's actually got a lot of inspiration from the ride at the Disney parks. Uh, it, it heavily draws from those, which is where the movies also drew from, at least their initial inspiration. And so you can do those, and then you're actually instanced. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of tall tales with stories and everything. This is These are the five specifically about Pirates of the Caribbean. You get instanced in, so once you uh, start that tall tale, you're on your own, which is a lot different than previous... Uh, tall tales where you were like just in the world with other players you could get pvp attacked whatever uh so that's one thing that's unique about it i gotta say as much as i was looking forward to it i'm even more impressed than i thought i would be by the level of detail by the different uh easter eggs that they've thrown in not even just easter eggs just out over references to both the ride and the movies uh the the story so far seems pretty cool i haven't totally finished it but I'm just very impressed uh, so far. The the music is perfect. They use some original sounds from the from the the ride, and have redone mm-hmm. some of those to be a little some of them to be a little more up to date or culturally appropriate. But they sound the same as they do on the ride. So the only thing I'll say here that there's a button upon startup that can bring you straight into Pirates Life. That's true. When you do open the game, you can like select adventure or arena. Those are all, I've always been there. With the Pirates Life, you can just select Pirates Life. All that clicking Pirate's Life do, does is take you in front of the person who you start the Tall Tales with, which is like mm. 50 feet from where you would normally drop in and start a game. So like, <laughs> I think they did it so that people who this is their first time getting into the game don't have to think about what they need to do. You're just yeah. right there where you start. But in reality, I mean, like that's not really that big of a feature in my opinion. It's not like you're, it's not like anything's really changing other than the fact that you spawn in a slightly different spot. But I will talk as much or as little about this from from this point forward Please, as you want. If on. you have questions, this whatever. Is, uh, this is your point of expertise. <laughs> not not that you haven't brought any expertise to the table already, but I'm just saying this is like your game. I'll see you streaming this shit all the time. Man. I know. So, man. I know. <laughs> uh, of course. So it seems like you're speaking positively of it. So yeah. more Disney properties there. Yeah. Uh, like a Little Mermaid, maybe. Like what do you what do you what do you think? Maybe they could just throw in there that would fit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, Little Mermaid's the first thing that comes to mind, but I just don't. Maybe it's because I'm not a huge fan of Little Mermaid. I don't dislike it or anything. Mm. It's just like not, you know, it's not something that speaks to me. But I, I find it hard to really think about how that would play into the world very well. It, I'm sure it could, it could be done. Uh, the reason that I think Pirates fits in so well is because Sea of Thieves took so much inspiration from Pirates of the Caribbean right. for the game. But one thing I was thinking that might be really interesting that's a Disney property is Atlantis. Now that's not mm. again. That's not a property I'm super familiar with. I've seen the movie a couple times, watched it with my kids, you know, here and there. But <laughs> I just imagine that that'd be really cool. And they're doing these like new worlds. They're trying. I think they're trying to make it more friendly to new players who just want to do story stuff to be able to be instanced into something. Going to Atlantis in an instance uh, would be a really convenient thing. So I don't know what else there could be. Maybe they could add stuff that's not even have to do has to do with the water, but. Definitely Atlanta seems like an obvious next thing to me. But yes, my my impressions are positive and I think it's a it's a great entry point if you just want to know what the world is about, see the the art direction, whatever, experience a story. Yeah, I um see the thing is I wonder if 
with Sea of Thieves, um, it's more popular, so I don't think it's a it's not a concern, even if it does happen. But I noticed a game I used to play a lot more. I don't know as much nowadays as Smite. And one thing that's kept them relevant is they do these random partnerships. They've brought yeah. Stranger Things see, uh, season passes in. They've brought in Nickelodeon IP like Avatar, Ninja Turtles. You know, they've brought in all these different IP. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kept people coming in. It's like, oh, look at that. Do you see that just in general? being a thing that Sea of Thieves does? Because I know it's one of the most popular Game Pass games. So mm-hmm. do you think they're going to start dipping into more partnerships? Do you find that necessary? Because I know they introduced Seasons. I think they dropped another update alongside Pirate's Life, like completely separate from that, yeah. if I read correctly. Uh, so they yeah, seem to be a lot of new features the... and stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what do you... Do you think it's even necessary for these branding? Or do you think it's just like, hey, this is just a good fit and that's it? I think this is a good fit and I think I would be open to more... Uh, partnerships if it makes sense for the game because the the fan base that's there is mm-hmm. not just going to accept anything. I mean, look at right. Fort. I used to love Fortnite. Uh, I said this on my stream the other night, but I I used to love Fortnite and I quit playing it after a while, but just because I got tired of it. But then over the years, I've seen them like bring in more and more properties, just throwing skins in there for no reason. They they brought in like the uh, even as with as much of a Marvel fan as I am. They like made one of the destinations like Stark Labs or something like that. I haven't played it recently, so I don't even know. And like, I just find that distasteful because it doesn't add to the game, in my opinion. It just is a as a skin they can make ten dollars off of. Yeah. If you like Fortnite, that's great, but I just don't see those partnerships adding to that. With Pirates Life, with with Pirates of the Caribbean getting added into Sea of Thieves, that makes perfect sense. It helps continue to tell a story. It helps. Uh, I mean, it, it's the inspiration that the game came from. If they're able to do something else like that, if they're able to bring it, whether it's Atlantis or Little Mermaid or 101 Dalmatians, for all I know, I don't know. If they can work something like that in there that makes sense and adds to the lore of the game, then they should they should pursue it. I think. Uh, if it's just going to be, oh, you can you can buy this new skin and and uh look like a character from your favorite disney film i don't really get that i don't really think that would be well well received yeah yeah i agree and i i don't want them to pepper it in i think this is a great fit so just kind of rock with what's working and and from there you know because for me it it was a good fit but not because it was when i say good fit it wasn't like such an attractive fit where i wanted to play it not because it was disney but i thought hey this really fits yeah um i was always curious by their uh they grabbed my attention when they did these frequent updates for the game they seem to really be connected with the community. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's super necessary because it's to me, I feel like when you start doing major consistent brand crossovers is it is a desperation for relevance, which I right. don't think Sea of Thieves quite honestly has. I think it's very relevant. It's because of, of course, it being a solid game, but also Game Pass, yeah. just keeping that player base alive and well. Uh, so I hope they continue to do fun crossovers, but when it makes sense, I think, yeah, Atlantis and Little Mermaid are, are pretty obvious ones right. on what level we don't know. Right. I think more than I would like to see in a different crossover, I would like to see them continue this storyline because I think the, I mean, I don't know what they're planning for the upcoming Pirates of the Caribbean uh, reboot or whatever it's going to be. There's there's something in the works. But I think that if they were to like continue on Jack Sparrow's journey hmm. in Sea of Thieves somehow and create that partnership, cool. I mean, more content of this type would be cool. This is a huge right. update, so I know it'd be a big undertaking, but... Uh, I think that would be more appealing to me and probably most of the players than throwing sure. a Little Mermaid in there. Yeah, 
Yeah. I agree. I don't. Yeah. Continuing a good thing is probably better than just throwing a bunch of random ones in there. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that came to mind randomly was we know that Xbox and machine games are working on the new Indiana Jones game. And I, I thought about treasure hunting, yep. one of the major pillars of, of Sea of Thieves, but somehow connecting that. And I wonder if they, they would consider something along those lines being just another Lucasfilm property yeah. underneath Disney. But it can cool. go a number of ways. But I like your idea of just kind of running with what's working. Yeah. All right. We got to move on from this and talk about Psychonauts 2, another big Xbox game coming out. Well, it's also me on PlayStation, but Game Pass release. Uh, Psychonauts 2 is finally due to release August 25th this year. And with Crunch remaining a hot topic in the industry, senior producer Kevin Johnson of Double Fine has some fine nudes and uh, nudes. Oh, boy. News. <laughs> indeed. Some oh, fine shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull up fun Google fa- real quick here. Just, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Let's just end the career right here. <laughs> fun fact. Psychonauts 2 has had no crunch. The team has been amazing, and I'm proud to have been a part of something so special that's been made in the schedule we set forth. I think you'll have fun, too, is what is posted on his Twitter account. Strangely, tweet's now deleted. So I don't know what happened there, but it's something I still wanted to spotlight just because I know it's pretty relevant to people. I'm not as super reactionary to crunch. You know, of course, there's damaging crunch where it's like you're not living your life, and then there's, hey, push to the finish moment here. Let's wrap this thing up. Right. And I don't believe anything creative can't be done without a little bit of overtime, personally. At least that's what I've experienced as someone who does their own work. But, yeah, you know, not much for me to toss in here. I don't know if you have more to say on Psychonauts 2 just seemingly being free of crunch after Insomniac made it clear is free of crunch. But right. I mean, that's that's great. Um, and I, I don't have any reason to not believe them. But I wonder, you know, we're getting down to, well, not the use a phrase but to, to crunch time where the, the game's coming out soon i wonder if he tweeted that and they were like um <laughs> we're actually gonna need the crunch <laughs> to get this game out in time so i don't know i don't have any reason to believe that or anything and it's great that the, if they've been able to do it without the crunch though. but you just have to wonder why delete a positive tweet like that i don't i don't know yeah, it leaves room for speculation, but that's yeah. why I wanted to address it. Just <laughs> right. leave it here. We may return to this later. We will see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Number six, final bit of news here. This one was kind of cool. In an Xbox Wire blog post, they have announced that they are releasing optimized Xbox Series monitors. Three total monitors will debut with a brand new, quote, designed for Xbox, end quote, stamp. Philips's Momentum Gaming Monitor, Asus's uh, Strix Xbox Edition Gaming Monitor, and Acer's Xbox Edition Gaming Monitor. All three will be released this year and include AMD's FreeSync Premium Pro technology, which reduces screen tearing and 4K resolution, as well as a refresh rate of 120 hertz. So first off is Philips Momentum sporting an Xbox picture mode. This is a 55-inch TV and a soundbar in one. It's a really funky design. I don't know if you've seen it. The Xbox picture mode means players can have a high contrast HDR with VESA. I'm sorry if that's something that people are familiar with. VESA uh, certified display HDR 1000. It'll be the first of the trio to launch, and that's this summer for $1,600. Asus's ROG Strix Xbox Edition monitor claimed to be the best monitor for color, contrast, and hue settings when connecting it to either an Xbox Series X or S console. It's 43 inches and launches in October for $1,400. Last but not least here, and probably most attractive of the three, I feel, is Acer's Xbox Edition gaming monitor. It sits at 28 inches, and Xbox states it is among the first monitors to be TUV iSafe certified, meaning it will minimize eye strain as someone who gets that quite often. Mm -hmm. 
sounds very attractive. It is the cheapest of the three monitors at $950, which will arrive sometime this fall. Yep. I bought a, a TV, uh, the Sony X900H okay. uh, for the new gen consoles. Uh, now, I was sold it on the assumption, this is my mistake, that there would be a firmware update that would support like 120 hertz. <laughs> They've gotten rid of that now. <laughs> uh, but they had a, uh, a ready for PlayStation 5 stamp on it. So yeah. for those who are wondering, you... I know this may seem obvious, but you could hook up a PlayStation to this. It will be fine. These are sort of like branded Xbox monitors, though. Right. I wonder, I mean, I haven't seen all the details on these. Obviously, the stats that are listed here in the story are are good. But I wonder if these are just actually really good monitors that, that Xbox is saying, hey, these, these are things we recommend that you use if you want the best mm -hmm. experience. Or if they're actually specifically developed for xbox in mind and if so what the, i don't know what that would mean other than the the the, the hertz rate and everything like that right i agree because they say for example the words are that this is the best monitor for color contrast and hue settings when connecting it to either a series x or s console I'm like what does it look like if i hook up a playstation then right you yeah. know is it is it significantly more dull and dim or what do i what does, what does it look like if i'm streaming netflix or whatever mm -hmm. else i mean yeah I, I would imagine it's fine but yeah. yeah, I think they're just TVs with branding on them personally, but right. the Acer monitor sticks out to me. Just eye strain is, is such a yeah. on and off thing with me. It's why I sometimes throw on gunners and, and just uh, yeah try to minimize it. I use the yellow light on my all my PCs and screens just to reduce eye strain. But, you know, it just happens when we're in front of the camera and we're, sure. we're editing stuff so frequently. Um, so that one caught my eye. But for a thousand bucks. Yeah. That should better remove my eye strain, not just reduce it. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Next up is our, uh, with the news wrapping up here, our Game Pass Pick of the Week and Back Compat Pick of the Week. As I've said before, and I just want to make it clear, we'll alternate with these sometimes. We don't want to pound you away with tons of games. We want to just give you quality suggestions that we believe in so that you can try them out, play them, give us feedback on them if you'd like. Uh, so, Ben... As our as our, our co-host here, I wanted to pass it off to you and see if you had any particular picks that, that you'd like to make for Game Pass Pick of the Week or Back Compat Pick of the Week. Uh, I've got a game that is actually both of those. It's it's um, on Game Pass and it's a backwards compatible title. Sweet. And that is uh, Crackdown. Now, oh. we, we briefly talked about Crackdown 3 earlier and Crackdown 3 was what Crackdown 3 was, right? <laughs> like you either, you either played it because you liked Crackdown or you didn't play it because it wasn't great. But the original Crackdown, I mean, a lot of people played it uh, because you got the Halo 3 beta. Uh, if you played Crackdown, if you bought oh, man, Crackdown. Oh, man, I about that. Wow. And you know, we're talking like almost 15 years ago at this point, I think. Yeah. So, so, I mean, Crackdown might be one of my favorite games of all time. It's just so much fun. It's, uh, you know, it's really, it's kind of open world. It did a lot of things that, honestly, I think if they had been... Uh, if it had been GTA 5 before GTA 5 existed, uh, I mean, it did come out before GTA 5 existed, but I think like with a little more money, a little more tuning, it probably could have had the same feel to it as, as that. But I think, I mean, it's just one of those games that you can hop into alone and have a ton of fun. The story is fine, but really it's just the, the world that you can run around in freeform that really makes the game. And then it's also got co-op, I think. I'm pretty certain it has online. I might be thinking of Crackdown 2, but I think I was going to say, Crackdown... I know Crackdown 2 has it. I'll double check for you if Crackdown 1 does, but I know yeah. Crackdown 2 does because a friend and I picked it up to play that okay. online co-op. Yeah, yeah. 
it's just it, it's just some of the most fun I've ever had. Maybe it was because of the people I was playing with at the time, or maybe it was because uh, it was just something I hadn't played, a, a game like something I hadn't played. But I would just really recommend it. It goes back to that thing I was saying earlier about how we have a whole new generation of gamers who did not exist or didn't play games in 2007 mm -hmm. or whatever this is. This is a title that they probably are soured on because Crackdown 3 was so bad that why would I want to go back to the, the first one? You know, sequels are always better. Right. So I, I would just hardly recommend it to anybody who's looking for just a stupid fun time. Yeah. By the way, Co-Optimist, great website if you're looking for any co-op games to play together with friends and do research on what kind of co-op is offered and how the experience is. Uh, they have online co-op listed for the first okay. crackdown. I thought it was, but I yeah. want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know for a fact two was, but yeah. that's a great pick. That's one that's completely escaped my mind. I think it's because Crackdown three was just in limbo for so long. Yeah, and when it released, it was, as you said, kind of what it is. <laughs> right. I do. I don't have very strong memories of the Crackdown, but I do recall enjoying it and thinking it was just this sort of fun open sandbox experience. It's you play as like a hero, right? And you kind of level up your character, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. You play as um, an agent, and there's there's uh, I can't remember how many, so I won't even say. But there's a certain number of ability traits that you have, and like you collect orbs and stuff to level each of those up. Mm. And you can it's kind of uh, RPG ish in that nature, in the sense that like you're you're building your character, but it's it's very much not an RPG. Yeah, uh, but you know, there's different attributes and everything that you can build up. The, Crackdown Two, honestly, they they had a mode in there where you could like uh, spawn in it, it, spawn in different objects into the world. Like you know, if you wanted to make a bunch of construction barriers and ram a car into them at 150 miles an hour, you could do that. Uh, so you know, there was just stupid stuff like that. And like the first one doesn't have that creator mode, as far as I remember. But both of those games are a lot of fun. But I would say Crackdown One is just like the most pure least amount of fluff uh that there that there is in that series it reminds me of a game that came out a number of years ago a real definition of it came and went have you ever played agents of mayhem no no i haven't but it's always yeah i've always it's seen it an easy comparison i have never been more upset by a game I think, because <laughs> you look at it number one south korean setting super underutilized i'm like yeah. that's awesome the characters themselves sort of played differently, but it was such a lackluster game in so mm -hmm. many ways. And you just could feel that Volition did not buy into this idea as much as they could have. Right. I remember the enemies were spongy. I don't know what it's like now, but they that is one game that there, there are a few out there you could put a mark on and say like that came and then disappeared upon a release. It just gone. What am I thinking of the wrong game or was that that was just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I I think 2017. I yeah. want to say. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. And Deep that Silver, game right? was just. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. they did publish. I'm that. thinking of the right game then. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. You have like a, a trio of three characters that you could swap between in the middle of combat. Like you, you would you'd select your agents and your team and yeah. kind of shift them out as as combat would go, and they could all do different things. It made sense on paper, and the game looked incredible, but. There was just nothing happening there. Right. Um, and it just, you bringing up Crackdown kind of brought me back to that. But Crackdown is one that I, I want to dive back into. That's yeah. the issue with Game Pass I have so often right. is there are so many games. Like there's obviously exciting new releases. There's so many new games I look at and I go, I want to go back to this so bad. It happens right. every day. So I try to just balance it with like one old game and yeah. one new game now yeah. and just kind of roll with that. Um, but there's so many more. Like, I want to play Pillars of Eternity. Not to yeah. take us too off track here, but I want to play Pillars of Eternity, the series, so bad, just in preparation for Avowed. And also, so many people want me to do a 
2021 review for it and because mm-hmm. i've never covered these games yeah and so, but it's you know you look at everything like there are rpgs and there's other stuff that's calling my name it's just too many good games to play great think, suggestion thanks yeah i was just gonna say one last thing i think the beauty of a game like crackdown is it's like i don't know it can't be more than 10 gig it's probably less it's probably closer to five it doesn't mm-hmm. take up a whole lot of room on your console and you can have your your main games that you actually are playing all the time and then you're like, I got 20 minutes before I need to leave the house or go to bed or whatever. Let me just hop in and, and destroy some shit and crack down. <laughs> and like, it, you could do that and it's totally fine. There is a story, like I said, but it's really not necessary in my opinion. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think it's kind of what's going to be so exciting for our audience when, when xCloud becomes more accessible is just, we make these suggestions and maybe some people feel like, I don't got the time to download this. I'm playing this, this or that, but they can stream it, try it and submit right. some thoughts on it. Cause we try to create a conversation where we give a suggestion. Maybe you play it and leave some thoughts on it. And we, we uh, throw it into the show here with your suggestions. If there are any that you would like to make, whether it be back compat or, or uh, um, what's it called? Uh, Game pass pick of the week. And uh, so just thank you to those who, who listen and participate. In, and I'm sure that will grow over time. But with that wonderful recommendation wrapping up, we have our five ending questions and then uh, we'll wrap wrap up episode 24. So the first one comes from, of course, uh, Anthony J. Sanchez. We're going to we're going to dive into here. Um, He says, hello, this is one more for Maddie, but I'd like Carrick's take on this as well, which obviously that'll be Ben. Um, Numerous times Maddie has said that he very much dislikes the word fans. He'd rather call his audience listeners. Why, though? We are fans of your work. You both do. Much of us, like many fans, are of sports teams, bands, and various cinema. In fact, there's even merchandise that we can purchase to show our support for the brand. I guess I was just wondering if either of you would embrace the word fan. Thank you. What do you What do you think of fan as a as a term? Because uh, I'm against it, and I'll explain why later on. But I want to know yeah. where you stand on it, if I'm just being a maniac here. Sure. I think that... If you call yourself a fan of someone, that's totally acceptable. If you call people fans of yours, it's a little cringy. Yeah, that's a good you know? point. Like if you like my listeners is is sounds respectful. My fan sounds like you're full of yourself to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a problem with it, but I just if I'm guessing what you're gonna say, that's probably what I think that's similar to what you're gonna say. It's like if you call yourself a fan of something, like a fan of a sports team, whatever, great, you can call yourself whatever you want. But when you refer to people as literally like you know fanatics is what that means yeah weird yeah i agree because for me it just i'm all about like just keeping my head as small as possible like i just i don't need to inflate my ego by calling you my fans like you may be a fan of my work and that's fine like i don't take any umbrage with you appreciating it and saying i'm a fan of you but i will not refer to you as that because I, i it's not like I'm an actor or I'm a sports talent. Like I sit here and talk about games and I try to make my opinions, you know, as well thought out as possible. I don't know if they'll always be agreeable, but to my point is I feel like this is so easily erasable that it's not like I'm some celebrity that if you took away YouTube, I'm st- you're still a fan of my body of work. <laughs> right. It's like my channel disappears. It's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. You know? And right. so I don't know what you could really be a fan of at a certain point. That may sound kind of, morbid but that's how i view it it's like you're you know you can be a fan and i appreciate you supporting what i do i i just i think as to just attack on what ben said i think it's just a little it's uncomfortable it assumes that it, it is to me it assumes fame it right. assumes that 
I am super important. I am I am so popular. I have fans. I have followers. I'll say right. followers because sure. or the audience, you know, there's general terms you can use to communicate to everyone, but fans, yeah. It's just a little oh. Well, you've also got uh, like you've got people, I mean, specifically I'm talking about you, your channel on YouTube. You've definitely got people who are by the traditional sense of the word fans of yours. They're going to come to you for all their stuff. They're going to make sure to listen to all your podcasts. Like they're fans of you. You've probably got a lot of other people who are just like, Oh, there's this one guy. I don't know. He's missed Mr. Something. He, he has good mm -hmm. reviews. I usually listen to him if I want to hear about RPGs, you know, like you have differences. Yeah. So like when you refer to an entire group of something as your fans, yeah, I get it. I don't think at the end of the day, anybody's going to ever fault you for saying fans. But I understand from your perspective why you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, because there there comes a comes a point in time where I just feel like you're a little too full of yourself, and I I think it's just best to remain humble, even if I have fans. I put it in air quotes for those who are not watching the video version. I just feel like the ego trip is not necessary. <laughs> I feel like you know this this is not to get super deep and and all that, but as as someone who who spends a lot of time studying martial arts and 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 spent a lot of time training it for some time and and plans to return to training i'm a believer in equals and so mm. i don't i think putting you on a level beneath me you know that's why i like the term audience uh, viewers like you're watching but that doesn't right. mean that you're yeah you're you're fancy you're beneath me in some type of chain it's like we're equals i can talk to you like a normal human you know we we've, we've brought people with all due respect on our show that that are not big names as much sure. as we brought on big names. So I'm just very much of that mindset. Um, I like to break that barrier down as much as possible of like, it's about you and your body of work, your personality. It's not really just about like your size and your scope right. and your scale. So that's why you're one of the good ones, Maddie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I try, you know, yeah. but um, hopefully I succeed. Next one comes in from Zachary April. Sorry if I said it wrong. Maybe a bell. Hello, gents. I was briefly, it was briefly, if I could speak, it was briefly mentioned in Sacred Symbols Cross Defining Duke, uh, but I want to go one step further. Should Microsoft have Pete Hines or a Todd Vaughn figure not only continue to oversee Bethesda games, but also further acquired studios? I think Microsoft would be better served by splitting that workload between multiple people in order to better manage teams. Take a Microsoft blue team and a Microsoft red team. Hope to hear some thoughts. Thank you. So, one of the things that Colin floated was the idea of pretty much utilizing Bethesda as an arm to then further acquire people. Like it, it'd be an overall Microsoft slash Xbox acquisition, but you would utilize Bethesda to bring someone into the fold. So the original speculation was use Bethesda to net a Japanese studio mm -hmm. because they're more connected with Tango Gameworks. So then you could extend beyond that. I think it's a little too galaxy brain, but, <laughs> Do you think they will use Bethesda at all to to acquire a further studio um, in the terms of like utilizing their staff to roll them in? I don't think that would be a bad thing, but I don't know if it's necessary because they're clearly doing fine acquiring studios on their own before they had Bethesda under their belt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I say that maybe we'll, I'll be proven wrong because maybe the studios don't produce the way we, we hope they will. I hope that's not the case. I want them to produce, but... I don't know. I mean, I think they 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 bought Bethesda for the all the reasons they said they did because they make great games, they have a great legacy, they have, you know, some technology that they probably wanted to implement across the board. So, I don't know. I don't know if if it's Pete Hines. I think Pete ha probably has his hands full. Yeah. Uh, you know, so 
you know, somebody like that, maybe. But I don't know why it needs to be something somebody in Bethesda specifically. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a bit of a reach just because I I, I say this with at least as, as little fanboy juice in my body is that <laughs> I, 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 I just I really feel like when you look at Game Pass and you look at xCloud it, and, and Phil's kind of demeanor and sort of what he's presented and, and the now you got Satya Nadella saying we're all in on gaming. I don't know what Bethesda brings that people think that they're not doing. Like Bethesda's right. just like a body of work example where you can look at them and say, hey, look, they're fine. They're right. on their own. They they exist and and nothing has changed. And and all we've done is lock down their game. So I don't know if it goes beyond that. Maybe Bethesda steps in as a, a reassuring pat on the back. Like, hey, it's going to be okay. Nothing's changing. Right. Trust us. I mean, if they have relationships with other studios or whatever existing then if you utilize them to make that connection then yeah that makes sense but yeah we've yeah. said it we said everything there's to say i think i agree the next question comes in from sean mason hello mr duke maddie <laughs> <laughs> the outer worlds is one of my favorite games of all time i found its story and characters compelling and its dialogue hilarious despite others critique about the length of the game i found it perfect it has an immense amount of replayability each and every time i replay it i find something new I'm concerned Obsidian might listen to the fans and make the game, quote, too large, end quote. I don't want the game to become a mile wide, but an inch deep. Thoughts? Best. Sean M. I love this write-in because, well, it's probably not one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite RPGs of last gen. I do share a lot of these thoughts, but I don't know yours on The Outer Worlds. Did you play this? Did you enjoy it as much? I did play it. Uh, I've often thought since I played it that I must have missed something because I liked it, but I didn't rave over it like I've seen and heard from so many other people. So maybe mm -hmm. I'll give it another shot someday. I would say that, I mean, I guess I'm just unaware of this feedback from the fans because I remember seeing so many people and feeling myself like, oh, 30-hour RPG, that's great. I love that. So many people. And uh, is there an outcry for there to be a longer game? I see it mostly. I know Sean's a patron of mine mm -hmm. and he's also in on ham radio. And so I see him pop up and I know in my circle, I, I see it pretty often. And when I tweet okay. out about the game, I see it pretty often as well from just yeah. non-followers that there's a consensus of it could have been more. Right. I see that pretty often. Like it was good, but I want to see what they do with more. Right. I think when you just, as you said perfectly, you look at the sort of watered down state of open world games and RPGs in general of do everything, be anything and, and skill trees don't really narrow you down and there aren't skill checks and it's very much a, it's too free and open of an experience for a lack of better terms where I love that RPGs will sometimes lock you down and put yeah. you down a path because when you go back, you can find a new path kind of like what Sean touched on here. But there is definitely an outcry okay. for this sort of do more, be bigger add more with that potentially being the case what do you envision that being like if anything at all i don't know i mean i just thought that game just hit the right notes it yeah it, it was satisfying uh, i didn't feel like there were a billion things i couldn't complete and could get done granted i'm not i'm not a person who wants to put 120 hours into an rpg typically either mm -hmm. but i don't know i think they make it bigger, they're going to please some people, but they're going to lose some people. They keep it small, they're probably not going to lose that many people. They're just mm -hmm. not going to pick up the ones they would... Yeah, so I don't I don't know. And, and, you know, part of it is they probably have some more money now than they did before and things yeah. like that. So maybe it will just be naturally bigger. But I don't really know. I mean, 
I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because you're clearly the RPG expert between the two of us. So. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, uh, I look at it this way. I think that if you want to make the Outer Worlds bigger by nature because of the money you have, that is totally okay with me. But if you are by intent designing the game to let's make these huge open spaces, it's like, no, thank you. Yeah. I think if they created the Outer Worlds in the style, if you have your ship, you have new planets to explore. And instead of Monarch being that one sole big planet, you have multiple Monarchs instead. Okay, sure. Like that I can work with. Yeah. Because what happens is you have the opening planets that are sort of expansive um, and there are things to do. And then as you get deeper into the game, it sort of narrowed things down. Yeah. So I understand yeah. where people want it a little bit more. I think what people don't realize is what they're asking for is that all they need is probably one more planet like Monarch to uh -huh. satisfy their desire. If they start giving you tons of those planets, like you said, you start to really touch on that 50 hour range where it's just getting out of reach for people. It was 100% one of the strengths of the game. It yeah. is, and, and there still aren't many RPGs like it where you can hop in. The Outer Worlds is so enticing because I can't even say it's about New Vegas, one of the best RPGs made. Like New Vegas is a big open world game. The Outer Worlds, you can hop in and complete a playthrough within about 20 hours and see some new stuff. That's very rare. Right. And so I defer to Avowed pretty frequently. I say, let that be, you can just tell by concept in the trailer alone, it tries to be like Skyrim. Let that be your open world epic. Sure. Let the outer worlds tighten things up, right? Like that's how I personally view it. Yeah. Funny enough, we actually have another outer worlds related write-in. So let's roll right into that. Okay. So we have two more left. Max Gale wrote in saying, Konnichiwa, Maddie. With E3 hype slowing down, I finally gave the Outer Worlds a try after the hype of the Outer Worlds 2 being announced. And man, I fell down a rabbit hole. Backstory, I've never been a big Fallout fan as I always felt they were missing something and didn't quite play right. And I think the Outer Worlds told me what I was missing. It was fast, or I'm sorry, it was missing, which was fluid and polished gameplay. This may be a fogged vision as I remember Fallout being a bit slow and jagged. So when I started the Outer Worlds and I played it so smooth, I fell hard for it. Currently, I'm 16 hours in, beat the campaign once, and finished Peril on Gorgon, starting Murder on Eridonos now, which is, by the way, fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to uh, Fallout 5 now. Going to start Fallout New Vegas next due to the Game Pass Weekly Quest 2. My question for you guys is, what games do you feel should get a revamp with new engines, hardware, and tech? After experiencing the Outer Worlds, I would love to see a more modern take on the Lost Planet IP. A reboot of sorts would be amazing to me. So this sort of taps in a little bit to what we were talking about with Dead Space. You know, we see Max here had, had addressed that, you know, Fallout didn't play as well as the Outer Worlds. I would say Fallout 4. Outer Worlds plays slightly better than Fallout 4, but we're, we're talking about two pretty lackluster shooters sure. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad it addressed something for him. If I were to, to tack into what we were talking about earlier, if I were to add anything to the next Outer Worlds, it would be just better combat in general okay. for challenge and equipment, that type of stuff. But more to my point is something was addressed here for him. Do you feel that with some other game where, where new engine hardware tech would, would bring a, a series that you uh, would would like to see a revamp with? It's hard for me to really say that this game needs like a revamp, but a game I'd like to see more modernized. I know they did a remaster of it. Um, I don't know. It's been a while now, but it was Shadow Complex. Oh man, I haven't played that. I see it a lot. I want to say, was that a was that an Xbox Arcade game? I, I might can't... be mixing it up with Shadow of the Damned. Actually, hold on. But I. It's a two point five Metroidvania kind of. 
yes, this Life is Scorer. a uh, Xbox arcade game. Well, was the next part of arcade game. Okay, I love that game, and I was just like, for years, hoping for a sequel. They did the remaster and re-release mm. a few years ago, and I didn't play it because I was like, I don't know, I was busy. I was having a kid in 2015, so that was probably part of oh, it. Okay. But, that that uh, definitely makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, but I think that that game is one of those that could be remade or even re revitalized in a new engine and just be a lot of fun because there are so many new things in in that genre that really mm -hmm. would make sense. But I don't know. That's that's probably not a satisfying answer because it's a, it's a 2.5D Metroidvania. It's not really <laughs> going to be a super complex one. So uh, I'm sure I would have others, but what, what do you think? It's a it's one I bounce around with a lot. Funny enough, my answer is kind of in line with yours because it is a side scroller scroller. I want to see Mega Man X just as a oh, series yeah. return. Big I time. Guess that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see it return so bad, man. Yeah. And it looks like Capcom just despises Mega Man, if I'm, yeah. if I'm quite frank. <laughs> yeah. There was this canceled game that I found when I was just looking up stuff online wishingly. And I saw that there was a game called like X the Maverick Hunter and it was a Doom like first person shooter in the Mega Man universe. And it actually for the released unfinished gameplay looked like it could have been something pretty cool. Yeah. So I looked at that and went, man, I would love to see just Mega Man get a re a modernized revamp. Of course, continue with the side scrolling, like keep the heart of the series, but I would love to see them bring it back and then try something new because they did that in the early 2000s. We saw a ton of spinoffs, RPGs, Game Boy Advance games. Of course, the typical yeah. side scrollers were familiar with the Legacy Collection. You know, there was the Zero games, but they were all like side scrolly in some way, shape, or form. Sure, I'd love to see them sort of have a renaissance with that, and then try something new with Mega Man to make it relevant. Yeah, you know, we saw like Mega Man Legends on the PS One and the, the sixty four Mega Man sixty four, where it was this more open, explorable world. And I'm like, they've never done that since. Sure, yeah. As far as yeah. I know, they've never done that since. Right. I would love to see them tackle that series and revamp things and 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 dive into that a little bit more, bring it to a new level. Just as Mega Man as a whole, do you think that? Do you think it's too niche to make money at this point? Hmm. I don't think so. I yeah. I, just, I I'm a little biased, right? Like I right. I will fully admit that. I I don't think so. Just because if Metroid didn't occur, mm, I probably yeah. would have a different answer, yeah. right? But yeah. I just feel like Metroid looked like such a dead in the water series for sure. so many people, and now it's clearly not. And I think so. As long as your game looks good, you know, Nostalgia they made Mega Man. Sales, man. Yeah, it does. And yeah. Mega Man 11 did well. And Mega Man 11 was a good game from what I saw. I haven't, I haven't right. played that because I'm not as much. I'm a fan of the X series more than the right. traditional ones. But, you know, I, I feel I feel people would be drawn to X a little bit more because X is much more grounded and serious. Sure. Where the base Mega Man series is a little more chibi-like, cutesy. Yeah. Uh, it's still difficult, hard as nails, but... It does have that lovable nature where I feel like X kind of drives it home. And if you play the Zero series afterwards, it's like, Christ, man, this is it's pretty it's pretty sad. And, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't want to get into spoilers with that, but I just think they could draw more people than they've given credit to. Like a Metroidvania Mega Man game. Oh, my God. I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. I feel like that would be the ideal X9 is just make sure. a Metroidvania side-scrolling game that that's very interconnected that's a way you revamp it while keeping its heart but yeah probably not gonna see that so <laughs> i'll continue to suffer continuing on with our 2d conversation our last question comes from unkempt hawk hey dukes 
This new generation promises gorgeous looking 3D games and incredibly quick loading times. But it's got me thinking a little bit about good old 2D platformers. Apologies if this is too vague, but what can developers do to make 2D games feel next gen? Is it all down to gorgeous graphics like with Replaced, which we saw at the Xbox Showcase, or could we see something different in this genre? Thanks for the consistently entertaining podcast. Keep up the great work and have a middling to lackluster day. Thank you. <laughs> so we kind of touched on this actually a little bit by accident. Yeah. I couldn't have anticipated that. But what what do you think drives these 2D games? Because I think of The Messenger as an example of of just the way the graphical style switched with the gameplay loop. Yeah. Um, that, that grabbed me. But it touches into what Hawk said, which is just gorgeous graphics at the end of the day. Right. Is there more beyond that with 2D that I'm missing maybe that you could think of that would make them feel anew? Right. I think that that's, uh, that's the main thing that everybody thinks of, including myself, is the graphics. But I'm wondering just like, what is there to do? What, what, is, what are mechanical things that can be done in a 2D game that mm. can change it that, aren't, that weren't possible 30 years ago, uh, even 25 years ago, whatever? Uh, one one game I think of it's not it's not two D but it, my friend Pedro, it's a, it's a mm. side scroller, uh, and had a lot of interesting mechanics that probably only made sense in a non two D game entirely. But I mean, I guess it is two D to an extent. But I'm wondering if uh, if if just different mechanics in general, and I don't know what those are, or else I'd be pitching the idea to a studio at this point. But <laughs> Just to see something different than just your typical running, jumping, shooting in three different angles uh, kind of thing where it's less of a platformer and more of a freestyle chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I think the idea is, I think of it almost like open world games where I feel like racing games are important, so don't get me wrong, I'm not slandering Horizon 5, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) but... I feel like raising games have lost. Wait, I thought you hated Horizon. Yeah, I it fucking just, despise yeah. it. <laughs> I uh, I feel like it's lost some of the luster yeah. for some people because for folks like myself who are much more casual, by the way, you can look at an open world game and say it does this, this, and that, and it yeah. has racing. I feel like with 2D games, the evolution is doing X, Y, and Z. I feel yeah. like it's nailing multiple things. It's not just a competent, fun action game maybe it's like Ollie Ollie crosses over with Shovel Knight or something. Like you have fast, fluid, trick-based motion and skill, but sure. then there's another level or sequence that requires the the precision of like an NES game, kind of like what Shovel Knight brought back to so many people. Um, I just think it's about having your cake and eating it too, sort of like doing a lot of things at once and right. not sacrificing. And it may be easier in a 2D space, um, but... What's happening is I think a lot of developers get caught up in almost the purity of 2D mm-hmm. is that hearkening back to the old days of doing one thing and one thing very right. And that's, by the way, respectable. But I do think there could be more there to right. be done yeah. for the right minds, that is. Well, I think about Cyber Shadow, which just came out. Was that this year or late last year? Yes, Recently. that was this year. Was yeah, it this year? It was day one Game Pass as well. Right. And I think about I think about something like Cyber Shadow, which is, you know, up a, a a perfect game for for what it was it was really difficult but mm-hmm. i know a lot of people had a problem with that but like i still looked at it and was like really when you look at this the entirety of this game it's just a good game it didn't do anything new mm-hmm. and i still loved it uh what i've played of it i haven't finished it mostly because it's really hard but <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. I'm, I'm not complaining about it but it was really hard and so 
it's still possible to make those games great, but I just feel like how many times do we have to do this where we're just perfecting the game and uh, or before we start to, to shake it up? And, and what do we do to shake it up? So I don't know. I have the same question that the uh, Dirty Hawk said or whatever, Unkempt Hawk said. <laughs> Dirty Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, those are all our questions. We thank the audience for uh, writing in. Ben, I thank you for, for joining me on this episode. I know it's like, you know, given just the, you know, of course, we just want to address it again, just the nature of this episode sure. um, that I'm sure it was a little intimidating. So I just thank you for, for stepping in so willingly and, and being as fantastic as I expected it to be. No problem, man. I appreciate it. Of course. And to those of you who are listening, thank you again uh, for your time, your patience, lending us your ear. And we'll have more to share with you soon on sort of the future of the show. I should have said this at the top, but I'm going to say it here um, just so people can correct in the comments if need be. But this is going to continue to be a weekly show. We're going to continue to do it. So don't worry. Duke's not going anywhere. It's just about adjusting now. So thank you so much for your time, your patience. If you got this deep, we always like to do a hashtag. So Ben, do you have a, you know, we do this very spur of the moment. So if you have a yeah. hashtag. Ooh. I mean, it has to be something with, I'm here. It has to be something with Sea of Thieves somehow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sea I'm sorry. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No. Hashtags. Sea of <laughs> Duke. Sea of Duke. Okay. Don't That's, make it about yeah. me. Make it about the oh. show. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. We'll do that. Yeah. Sea of Duke. You got this deep. Use the hashtag. <laughs> post in the comments. Tag us both on Twitter. I'm at G27Status. Ben, I know yours is Ben Smith with some numbers. but you're 2588. To... I'm sure there it was on the screen at some point during the show. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Tag us. Let us know you got this deep. We appreciate your engagement. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And until then, we'll see you all next week with episode 25 of Defining Duke and 22 of Duke Ultimate where we're playing Duke Collins. And of course, we'll see Ben again with uh, with our Duke Ultimate episode on Sea of Thieves after I play some of the update. So with that, we look forward to hearing from you and we'll talk with you very soon, all right? Take care of yourselves. The Finding Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the good old USA. The show was conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Matty's co-host is Jeremy ACG Penter. The Finding Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenko, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, George Gazi, Christian Rodriguez, Jod Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Jordan Andow, Maverick Mazel, Chris Kelly, Andrew Meister, Evaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Evan Barr, Tal Randall Halsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, Jimmy Dean Man, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Colleague Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Caleb Sittler, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Gavin Newland, Lockmort, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, 
Gomez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Chris Buston, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Hofeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algorit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Matthew Cooper, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andracek, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, William, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Matt Hazelbaker, Todd Paxton, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.